Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Welcome to Inside Groove. It's good to be back with you for another week after a, a week break. And, of course, my name is Tom Baker, Camden Proud, uh, not with us in this first segment. Uh, he may be joining us toward the end of the show. If not, he will be with us next week. We do, how, however, have Mike Bruce on the program with us tonight. And Mike and I had a chance to talk for almost an hour and I think you're going to really enjoy this interview, especially if you're um, interested in the small block supers, the SBS class or the 350 class. Uh, Mike, um, Mike was fantastic. I really enjoyed talking to him, had a great time, and I hope that you enjoy that interview when it comes by here in a few moments. But I want to take a minute because I feel like part of doing this show is trying to sort of bring you inside the show a little bit. And so I want to explain what happened last week so that you'll kind of get a sense for what it's like to actually put together the show from behind the scenes. So um, the way that we're set up currently is I am based at the WSIC studios in Mooresville, sorry, Statesville, North Carolina, uh, we closed our Mooresville studio and have partnered with WSIC to bring all of our race programming to their studio, their facility, and the two evening live shows that we currently do are aired on their television station, Think Wind Tunnel. We're doing a radio show. You're watching us do it on TV. That's pretty much how that works. Um, and we also are about to launch a third show that's going to be on on Tuesday mornings here at WSIC, that's going to be on all three of their radio signals here in the area, plus their TV feeds to Charlotte and Mooresville. So that one is going to be at 11 o'clock on Tuesday mornings. I have an office here, and in my office is my own personal podcast setup that I use have been using to do the Inside Groove show. So last week, we had a situation where I did a phone interview, not for our show, but for another purpose, at about 2.30 in the afternoon on, I think it was Wednesday, and um, about 5 o'clock, I went to do another phone interview, and all of a sudden, something was haywire with the system because I was getting terrible feedback through the phone into our headsets and such. So um, we went through a process of trying to narrow down what it could be. We replaced the mixing board. That didn't make any difference. We replaced the phone. We tried a different phone, cell phone. That didn't make any difference. Um, tried all kinds of things. We basically eliminated all the variables and came down to it must be the special cable that I had to order to be able to plug into the cell phone, into the board to um, feed it, you know, into the computer and, and let us record uh, the cell phone caller on the show. <clears throat> so it must be the phone cable because we've tried everything else. Nothing else worked. So the, o the only place that you can order that is either direct from the manufacturer or through Amazon, who seems to have everything these days. So I ordered it through Amazon, but it wasn't going to come in until Friday. Got here late Friday. Of course, I was spending the entire weekend covering the events at Charlotte Motor Speedway, the NASCAR stuff. So just didn't weren't able to put together the show. So when I got to the office on Monday of this week, we took the time and rehooked everything the way that it was with a new cable, and it's still problematic. So it wasn't the cable either. We have no idea at this point what it is. So I am actually recording this from our main radio studio which I can only access in the evenings when nobody else is using it. So um, we're kind of having to play with the scheduling of the interviews a little bit and such. So bear with us. Um, still having some technical problems, and I am not a technical person. So 
once we get my setup back, then, you know, it'll, it'll make me a little more flexible again. But for now, just bear with us. We are back. We are able to put a show together. And, of course, you're listening to it. Um, we have Mike Bruce, who's going to be joining us in a moment. Excited for you to hear that interview. It was a ton of fun. And um, really enjoyed talking to him not only about his win uh, at Evans Mills, but uh, about a lot of other subjects. And he broke some news on uh, during the interview as well. So there's a little bit of breaking news in there about uh, his plans for next year, but also some other folks' plans for next year. So looking forward to you being able to hear that. And all of it's good. It was just a, a great interview to do. Um, so we're going to hear from him. And again, because that interview went way longer than I expected, um, not sure if we're going to be able to get to Camden before uh, the end of the evening or not, unfortunately. So uh, waiting on his potential response. But if we don't, we'll get Cam back on for next week when we have more time to set up the interview and such and make it work. So I want to thank all of you for your patience this past week um, while we sorted through our gremlins that we had. And uh, I went off to do the NASCAR stuff for a little while and excited to be back talking Super Modifieds, hearing some great things through the grapevine pursuant to 2020 in terms of new cars, new drivers in all divisions. Um, I couldn't be more excited. And I think after talking to Mike tonight, uh, you're going to be excited too, especially if you're an overall race fan and not just necessarily a big block super modified race fan. I think you're going to be very excited about what you hear. Um, next year is going to be a lot of fun in the, uh, the, the two lower divisions. I can tell you already. And that makes me excited because that means the car counts are healthier. That's nothing but good for racing at the Oswego Speedway. Before I get to the interview, I want to say a quick thank you to our two main sponsors, Jeff West. Uh, of course, uh, IPC Indy has been our presenting sponsor this entire year so far and haven't been able to connect with Jeff yet to get him on the program, but we're going to plan to do that very soon and let you hear from him not only about his racing uh, over the years and let him tell some, I'm sure he's got Bentley stories, um, hopefully he can get them down to PG 13 so we can put them on the air. Uh, but I also am excited for you to hear the story of indie performance composites because they can literally fabricate about anything you'd ever want. Um, you know, whether it's aerospace or whether it's motorsports or whatever it is, uh, dot has all the details, but um, if you need something fabricated, check with him and let him know. And uh, again, thanks to Jeff and his staff. And also thank you to uh, Sean and the staff at Skip's Fish Fry. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later on about them at the end of the interview with Mike Bruce. So without further ado, I'm going to press my mute button and mysteriously reappear interviewing Mike Bruce. We're back, and Mike Bruce has joined us now. And so we finally get to say, after a week or so delay, congratulations on a big win for you and the team that owns one of the prettiest cars in the SBS division. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's a, it is a beautiful-looking race car. really is. So let's talk Evans Mills a little bit. Uh, you kind of were playing a dual role, as you often do, when the supers, uh, small block supers go out of town, you um, playing playing the role of uh, both promoter and racer. So uh, I almost feel like you won twice. You took the checkered flag as a driver, and of course that means you also had a pretty good day as a promoter. Yeah, um, the whole promoting side of things is is a, a learning curve, I guess. The driving part of things, I've done that for long enough that I'm that I'm comfortable with that. But the promoting side of things is is great, and uh, the all the fans, uh, the teams that showed up to to race Evans Mills really made that you know successful. So having all the there was newcomers, there was people with uh, the 350 motors that showed up to support us. There were uh, new people that haven't been racing all year that were interested in coming, had some uh, difficulties, weren't able to come. So, yep. 
uh, to have a successful show um, and to be able to put in victory lane all at the same time was uh, pretty special for me. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, it definitely was uh, a great way to end the season, no doubt. And you know, I feel like it was kind of a season that, um, you know, you, you had a lot of speed. Um, and I think you, you had a lot of opportunities. It feels like uh, a little bit of luck just sort of went away from you at times this year um, at Oswego, but uh, certainly made up for that by closing the season the right way with a win. Yeah, the uh, the luck's definitely a big part of it. Uh, before the season started, um, th- this time a year ago, <laughs> I wasn't racing anything. I was taking the year off. I was going to focus on my business and, and, and livelihood and everything like that and kind of regroup as far as my racing went. Right. Uh, we, we've had a rough couple of years. Last couple of years, I haven't had the finishes and the runs and, and uh, everything that we wanted to, I guess, as far as the racing went. So we were kind of going to regroup and, and start over, start fresh again. But um, Craig Soper, luckily, he called me. Uh, a few weeks, maybe a month before the opener, and uh, Greg O'Connor was was kind of stepping out of racing the 350 to focus on his limited, and he asked if I wanted to, and I said, sure, why not? So uh, we thrashed on the 350 car and uh, got it ready for opening day, and then um, our second week, second or third week, I don't remember exactly what it was, um, my girlfriend and I, we bought tower passes. We were going to, I've never had the luxury to be able to watch a race from the tower, so I was excited. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, we we got the pit passes and we were walking through during hot laps and uh, Dan Denny asked me if I had my stuff and I was like uh, okay so here we were we were jumping uh, me and Tim Glidden the owner of the car he was getting out of the sweaty suit and I was hopping into the sweaty suit and, <laughs> and that's that's kind of where that whole whole situation started for the the limited ride for the season so you never got to watch the race of the tower <laughs> I, I still I'm still missing the race of the tower yeah. no actually um as soon as the limit race was over I said listen. And I spent good money to uh, get up in that tower today, so I'm going to scoot across real quick. So we were able to watch the uh, super modified feature from up there. And, oh, okay. And for anybody, anybody that hasn't watched the <laughs> race up there, it, it's well worth the money to go up and watch a race. Yeah, it there, really so. is. It's a very different. Yeah. Uh, it's a very different view from the tower for sure. Just it? everything about it was just yeah. phenomenal. I mean, we went out on on the deck, and uh, it's it's unexplainable. Just the, the the cars, the passing, the view that you can see on the track, being up above all the cars, you know what I mean? It was just it was a phenomenal uh, uh, sight from being able to watch the modified feature from up there. Yeah, really, it, it's amazing. Um, you know, I've done my share of time up there, been fortunate enough to be able to do that uh, in the course of my media work, and it is definitely a great place to watch the race. Um, with that being said, I have to say that um, – one of the things you don't get when you're in the tower is the full effect of being in the crowd. You sort of hear the crowd, but you feel like you're kind of apart from the crowd when you're when you're up there. So um, it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other for me. It is definitely easier for me to you know to do the media stuff that I need to do, um, and it's certainly a beautiful view, and it's kind of luxurious in the sense that you know it's air conditioned on a hot day and. You know, you get uh, some food and drink or whatever, but at the same time for me, I love being in the stands, and I enjoyed, for example, the classic I actually watched from the stands, and it was just was great to to be back among the fans again and, you know, sort of feel their reaction to things a little bit. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting experience, though, for sure, and I think it's something every fan ought to ought to do at least once just to say that they've done it, and some yeah. may want to do it more and some may not. Right. I agree 100%. It's, it's, I don't think you're ever going to beat the fan experience, even uh, coming from a, a driver's standpoint. Um, if, if I ever have an off week or something, I'm able to go sit in the stands. It, nothing brings you back to, to your childhood memories or when you weren't a race car driver, like sitting in the stands. There's, there's nothing no. that beats that. You know what I mean? It's just the, the excitement, and um, especially as, as a driver coming to the stands, just the, the fans that come up and talk to you and have conversations and, and hey, good lucks and, and pass on the back and everything else. It's there's there's nothing that beats that. But um, if anybody has the opportunity to sit up in the tower just to watch one race, it's definitely it's it's definitely a different experience. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, it is. That's a heck of a good time. It's well worth paying the extra money for a week to go have that experience for sure. It yeah. is a completely different take on it. Um, you know, and the other thing I keep thinking about the grandstand is I remember Gary Morton during his rookie year and. 
I don't know how well you know Gary, but if Gary's got something to say, he's already said it. I mean, it's you know he doesn't hold back. And Gary, Gary was sitting in the grandstand right below us one night during his rookie season. I don't know if he was out early or whatever happened, or maybe the car wasn't ready that week. Or, sure. But he was in the grandstand, and I remember him saying to the guy next to him when they they threw the green for one of the heat races, and he goes is this how this looks all the time? He goes, these guys are crazy. (laughs) Well, you're usually out there among them, Gary, you know, but it's a, it's a whole different perspective watching it than it is doing it. Isn't it? hundred percent. Yes, sir. You know, you, uh, you feel so much more in control when you're in the car, but then you get to the grandstand and realize how on the edge you actually are. I think. Yeah. I've said it a hundred times. I wish, uh, I wish I could duplicate myself. And I wish I could sit in the grandstands and watch myself driving my car. <laughs> because if you if you could concentrate on if you could concentrate from the stands as to what the car is actually doing, you could make some serious gains. If I could watch myself, that's kind but of when interesting. You're out, when you're out there, when you're out there driving a race car, you're so concentrated on trying to perform a perfect lap that you're not actually concentrating on what the car is doing. And there's been times where I've been doing it for so many years. There's times where I come in, my father, my brother, whoever it is, you know, hey, what's the car doing? Uh, you know. Couldn't really tell you. I was trying. I was trying to turn a good lap. <laughs> you know, I was trying to yeah. get a fast race car. You know, and, and uh, sometimes you got to take the deep breath. And, and if, like I said, if I was standing in the in the grandstands watching somebody else, I can pick apart what their car's doing. Doesn't matter if we're at a dirt right. track or an asphalt track. But when I'm behind behind the wheel myself, I'm so concentrated on running a fast lap or racing my race that it it doesn't always come to me easy easily. So, well, that would be an interesting scenario for an NASCAR driver, somebody that actually uses a spotter. You could spot for yourself. Yep. And then, of course, <laughs> That'd be it. You but, know what I mean? You'd be, able to, you'd be able to pick up a lot of information off doing it from, from the way one person's brain works to another person's. That's what <laughs> of course, for somebody <laughs> like Sterling Marlin, I'm not sure he'd be able to understand himself, but uh, right. that's a whole other uh, discussion, I think. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll get back to Evans Mills for a minute because that was where we started this. Uh, talk yeah, about yeah. your day as a whole and talk about the day as a whole because obviously you promoted this thing as well as uh, drove in it and won. Yeah, so um, so it all kind of got thrown together um, with us racing the 350 this year. We didn't have any intentions on running the, the limited uh, modifieds. Sure. And I kind of lost so I don't want to say I lost my interest in promoting it, but it wasn't top of my priority. And, and once I got the ride in the limited and stuff, and the end of the year came, it's like, man, I'm having fun. I want to, st- I want to keep racing this year. So I called up uh, Mr. Gill, um, which I talked to him earlier in the year during the park show in March, I think it was, or April, whatever month it was there. And, and uh, you know, I just kind of threw around the idea. And, and he's like, yeah, it was last minute. And he asked me what we needed for a purse. And, and I kind of threw out some numbers to him. And he was like, 100%. He's like, start promoting as soon as you can. And, um, I called Camden Proud about it because he's always been my promoter and kind of done all the uh, social media stuff because that's just not my gig. And and uh, and he was all for it and we kind of pumped it up and passed messages along and uh, got a lot of support from the guys. It's um, what I don't know if you've had the luxury to be able to make it to Tevinsville Speedway yet this year, but I have what the, the the gains that they've made and the changes um, and the improvements that they've made to that speedway are just unreal. It's, it's amazing. You don't see it very often in, in asphalt racing to be able to do that and have somebody come in and uh, truly put the effort and support and, and finances is the biggest thing into a speedway to make it grow like that. You know, American Johnny did it to Oswego when they first came on board. Sure. Uh, the Gills have done it up there at Evans and Mills and, and just the gains that they're making up there are just unreal. It just uh, beautifies the facility. And as soon as they paved the pit, the pits, they put uh, blacktop in the pits. We've always had the Rocky Mountains. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I had I had three different people message me like, "Hey, did you see the pits? We got to get a race up there." <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, over the pits, we're going to go up there and race, and it was, it was that, that was that was a big part of the reason. You know, it was just the just the effort and the excitement and the uh, charisma, if you want, you know, right. to for what they were doing up there it was just it was unreal, and it it created the excitement for the teams and the drivers, and um, and we were all excited to go up there and be able to support Mr. Gill and, and his wife and the family to uh, get that racetrack. Uh, a good show at the track. See, that's fantastic. I, I love seeing that interest, um, and, and I love seeing the willingness to invest in your facility um, the way that they have. I promoted Evans, or not promoted, I announced at Evans Mills in, in uh, okay. 1998. And at, at that time, 
want to say it was Walt Van Tassel, I believe, was the gentleman's name that owned it at the time. And he was fantastic to work for and work with. And really, I thought, did a great job with it. Um, But of course, it's, you know, it's, I think, gone in a couple of different directions since then. And I'm excited to hear that they paved the pits because that always was kind of a, an interesting deal. But, um, and actually the, the original Nora group that I was involved with, we had a couple of races up there, um, <clears throat> in that time frame when I was, uh, involved with the group. And, and in fact, Danny Kapazinski ran his fir- very first then called limited super modified race up there and almost won the thing. And Denny Wheeler took him out, um, took him out, (laughs) took him out late. Yep. It, uh, it was Danny had that race in the bag. Um, and you know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun that that track was always enjoyable. I loved going up there and I'm excited to see that, uh, that the division has been back there the last couple, three years to run some shows, because I think it's good for the, for you guys in that class to go other places and experience other tracks and other scenarios, if only to remind some of the folks in that division, just how good they have it at Oswego and not to demean anywhere else, but Oswego sure. and their advantages with video coverage and all of that going, you know, the stuff that goes on. Yeah. There is no track like Oswego, and it, but it's great for the other tracks to get to see that you guys run, too. I think it's a great traveling division, and I, I would love to see more shows um, during the season, to be honest with you, um, which is kind of what we envisioned with Nora to do some Friday night stuff and maybe some Sunday stuff and one or two shows when the week goes off. Of course, you know, obviously since we put it together all those years ago, the, the scheduling and, and a lot has changed, but I still think it would be fun to see more shows for that division out of town um, at some other tracks during the year, maybe, you know, four to five anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so back on the whole Evans Mills part of it, yeah. it's, it's a great, it's a great eye opener to, um, some of the lower or starter divisions of asphalt race. They, they have, um, now they have their modified series there, which, which is not an entry level class by any means. It's easily in comparison to our limiteds. Um, but they have a lot of the four cylinder cars, a lot of the, right. the street stocks cars. And, and for people that have always known street stocks and Evans mills, they might not know of a Swiggle, of a Swiggle Speedway limited super modifieds. They may not know of a Swiggle Speedway's new division on 350 super modifieds. They don't know where to go next. Where's your next stepping stone? You buy a modified to go to Evans Mills? Sure, most definitely. Um, but there are other divisions that these guys can move up to. And, and that's kind of the biggest picture in my head from us promoting these shows, from us going there and putting on good races, for us having, you know, ability and cars out there to be able to purchase and get involved in racing. It's for some of these, these teams that are, you know, dominating or winning races in the street stocks and four cylinders and stuff like that to be able to have the sure. ability to move up. And, and that's, that's really, that's gains for, you know, Evans Mills and that's gains for sort of speedway, you know, altogether is, is trying to get, you know, build the classes up. And, and, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competitiveness at, at, at Evans Mills. It's a short track racing and, uh, a lot of, um, hungry drivers that, that want to be able to move and, um, you know, kind of climb up the ranks, if you will, you know, to, to better themselves and, and their team. So um, that that all around is cool there. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also a very, I think it's a perfect size track, as a matter of fact, for uh, almost any type of short track asphalt car, to be honest. It's, you know, it's a fun little track to drive. And you know, like I said, I just, I enjoyed my time there a bunch. And you know, if I were still up in the area, I would, you know, would be all over trying to do as much as I could to support that. Um, but um, it's just, you know, that's a that's a fun deal. And I was glad that uh, y'all did that and obviously happy that, to see you get the win. Um, your whole team just works so hard um, between, you know, your effort, the 04 effort, Tim's effort and, and uh, Cameron. Um, it's just uh, it's just great to see. Uh, a win right at the end of the year too, which is kind of interesting. So now that begs the question because I've been asked actually already. Um, and so I'm going to ask you, 
what are the plans for next year? Would might we see you back in the zero four car for twenty twenty at all? <laughs> yeah. Um. So so this year actually we kind of uh, we we kind of bite off more than we could chew trying to do the three fifty on the O four. It was it was a lot, and I talked with Anthony a little bit, and even for him to be switching back and forth was a lot. Oh yeah. And for sure. Um, at the end of the year, I was kind of contemplating on what. Um, I should do for next year. Um, we had, we blew up a lot of motors in the 350 car this year. I didn't have very good luck with motors in the 350 car, so that kind of killed my, you know, my mojo at the beginning of the year. Thinking, man, well, you know, is this really for me? Am I up to par for this yet? Um, the 350 deal is going, or the the limited super deal is going great, and um, and I was having a lot of fun everywhere. But it was a lot of work for for uh, my main crew was was me, my father, and my brother. What it's always been for years. And uh, the old four team, the, the limited super team, we had a lot of people that were helping out. Sure. Um, you know, that were kind of big parts of, of being able to make that go around. And that's about the only reason uh, that I was able to kind of do that was, was Dan Denny, uh, Cameron, Chief, Chewy, um, little buddy Robbie the Wrench, and, and uh, Tim Glidden, the guys that own the car. And uh, so ultimately for, for next year, we're, we're kind of planning on um, doing the double duty. Um so it all started, uh, Chewy actually bought uh, David Cliff's old Super Modified, and Cameron's planning on racing that as a 350 for next I year. I was so excited to see that, not only because I believe that that car could be a great 350, and I'm thrilled that the Cliffs finally got rid of it, um, yeah. and, but I'm excited for Cameron to be able to move up, because not only because there's another car in the class, but because... I love seeing guys be able to, that's what we created the 350 Super for was, you know, obviously as a, a middle class, a middle step. And I'm thrilled to see that uh, Cameron's going to take that step. I think it'd be a great addition to the class. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. It was uh, kind of a funny story on that was I been kicking myself in the rear for the last <laughs> three, four weeks. The uh, I talked to Mr. Cliff I don't know, a year ago or so, maybe a little less than a year ago. And I went and I took the money out of the bank and I was going to buy that car from him. That was going to be my 350 to move up. Oh. And this was before I had spoke to Craig Soper or anybody. And, and, uh, the end of the year was coming through and then I was kind of contemplating and talking, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to be for next year. And, and, and uh, Mr. Cliff was going to take good care of me as far as, as purchasing the car and stuff. Sure. And hot car, got all good equipment on it. I, I was excited, you know, and I was kind of contemplating, to get another car. I really wanted to get my brother involved. I was thinking we could work something. You know, I had all these ideas going through. As racers, we always have these ideas going through. Well, bank, of course. You know? And uh, and I kept telling Carly, you know, if I don't buy this car, somebody else, somebody else is doing it. And one day Chewy called me, and Chewy is uh, um, Rich Worth. He's the guy that owns the 04 car yep. now yep. and Super Modified. And uh, he called me up and uh, they just loading up the Super Car. And I said, oh, no kidding. I said, what car did you buy? He's like, the 06 from Cliff. I said, oh. <laughs> Shoot, you know? so, so he he uh he didn't have, he didn't know we kind of kept it between me and carly that you know it wasn't um wasn't that we were necessarily looking for anything else but there's it's it's such that 350 class is so much fun uh to race it's fun to race and i i guess maybe it's fun because i had some good success at the end of the year you know as far as, as getting you did too car. yeah but uh you know so so it made it a little more enjoyable and uh, then we went out to star speedway and and uh it's just there's so much potential. It's it's where that that class is where I want the limiteds to be down the road, but it's already there. You know what I mean? If you can yeah. understand what I'm saying. I noticed, by the way, that you're refer you're always calling them limiteds as opposed to SBS or small blocks, which is their more recent nomenclature. And I I point that out because I'm gonna I'm gonna be this is uh, what what do they say on Facebook? Unpopular opinion. Well, here goes. Yeah. I think we yep. should go back to lim- calling them limiteds again. And, and, <laughs> so we had we had a, <laughs> a meeting a few years back, and Timmy Barbo actually brought it up. The last question of the meeting, he, he brought it up, and, and he kind of uh, loved the guy dearly, but he looked like a dork because nobody spoke up. And he's <laughs> like, uh, he's like, uh, I think we should go back to calling it limited to modified instead of small box. And nobody said a peek. You got crickets. crickets. Yeah. It was crickets. And it was like, nobody, <laughs> even myself included, nobody spoke up and said, yeah, look, I agree. Or let's vote on it. You know what I mean? And uh, I think, whatever, 75% of the group is going to agree to that. You know what I mean? That guys that have been around and um, especially with the 350s now coming around, it's hard, you know, 
the small box super, three fifties, limited three fifties. Yeah. You, you never really know, and it's hard to explain to fans, especially you know what I mean, people that, that might not have all the knowledge and background into understanding what these cars are and the well, differences between two of them. But and see that they're limited. They've been limited since I grew up, and they were limited when I was racing, and they haven't changed enough to be calling them a totally different car. So it's just. My. Well, that's <laughs> and that's really my my reasoning for wanting to go back because I feel like it's it's now very confusing because even though the middle class is called the three fifty supers, um, they're still small blocks and everybody knows that a three fifty is a small block. I think it sure. just gets confusing that they would have two classes of small block supers. And and I never I know drivers think that limited is somehow negative or it it it's it kind of undermines the makes them seem like less you know a, a less a right. class or whatever. Yep. My response to that is bull. Yeah, <laughs> it's I just agree, bull. I mean, there's there's limited late models, there's limited modifieds, there's limited go karts. I mean, it's just a name. It's not. It yeah. doesn't mean lesser drivers or less capable or less worthy of sponsorship. It's just a name. And it, in this case, I think it would be a clarification, and it would make it easier to distinguish and give them more of their own identity back, um, instead of having to compete with that small block name. And SBS doesn't mean anything. Yep. You know, SBS doesn't mean anything. It yep. That's three letters that nobody knows what it means unless you tell them, you know. Exactly. So I feel like um, that's my two cents. Like I said, it's unpopular opinion, but I think they ought to go back. Um, <laughs> yep. And so originally when you said it the first time, I was going to interrupt you and say, okay, that's a dollar in the jar. They're small blocks now. But then I stopped myself and thought, <laughs> no, wait a minute. We should be, I think we should be calling them women's again. So, yeah. Um, no, so so back in the back in the day before I even started racing, they were, you know, they were more of a limited, okay, a limited super modified, right? yeah. And they had the, you know, they had the stock front ends and, and whatever else, right? Way before I started racing, and and since I started racing, everything was, you know, custom built or designed, you know, by whoever Ray, right, Dan Denny, the two of the main builders there, you know, and. um and now even still, like, we're not running the stock lowers on the cars anymore. Everything's, you know, custom uh, design lowers. Everything's different. And and so the cars are, are further away from being limited super modified to today's day and age than it was, you know, whatever, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But uh, like I said, it's just, it's in my heart, they're just limited super modified. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, I, there again, I think brand. if you take the limited name literally, okay. But it, it it's, you know, back then, it I guess it meant kind of a super. But not really, you know, and I don't yeah. think that if you'd said it that way to the competitors back then, I don't think they would have appreciated that either. But that's how you're sure. describing it. So it to me, it's just a name. And, and, and again, I'd like to see it have its own identity back. And um, and it should be limited. That class should be limited as much as humanly possible from a cost standpoint and an operational standpoint. It should be limited. It's supposed to be an entry-level division. It doesn't mean that the drivers who compete there aren't talented enough to be in one of the other cars, classes. It just means that that's the entry-level, just like you have you know, crate sportsmen versus sportsmen versus, you know, whatever. Um, I think they had a limited sportsman at one, one time, Um, you know, so it's just a name, but anyway, I just thought that was funny and I thought it was worth uh, some discussion because (laughs) I had been thinking about that same thing myself, that they ought to go back to the the limited nomenclature, but um, I guess we'll see if anybody listens to us. Uh, <laughs> probably I'll have, not. I'll have Timmy Barber bringing up the conversation. <laughs> yeah. and I'll see if I can't support him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, speak up or or give me some heads up. I'll come up and we'll both speak up. Um, right. There not you that go. it matters what I think, but um, anyhow, um, talk about your background a little bit, Mike. For those who are listening to this, who might not have known how you got started, and obviously you're a local. Yeah. So uh, it, it all started. I was a kid, didn't even know what racing was besides, you know, NASCAR on television. Uh, my father's like, hey, you want to start racing? Davey Tritech actually gave us a, a go-kart we knew nothing about. Oh, wow. And, I didn't uh, know that. And Yep. That's, that's where it originally started. And uh, 
uh, we didn't really weren't able to kind of put it together and get racing with it. And uh, a buddy of ours, Jerry Cash, got us involved with the road course um, racing at Oswego inside the the pits at road course track there years ago. And uh, that's kind of where we started everything. And then um, I had some bad school grades. And my mother and father said, uh, hey, you know, if you don't get your butt in gear at school, you know, we're cutting out racing. And um, The first time that they ever kind of put the damper on anything was when they cut out racing. <laughs> and did your grades go up? Uh, I don't remember, but I ended up getting a mob light at 14. So no. <laughs> um, I, I'm Must assuming. Must have been good enough. Grade, yeah, I'm assuming my <laughs> grades went up enough that dad said, hey, you know, it's time to uh, something else. So he came home and I didn't even know what dirt racing was. I didn't even know what dirt racing was a thing. And uh, he says, uh, you know, we're going to go up and watch these cars. We're going to bring home one of these home next week. And I said, okay, I'm 14 years old. I'm a little kid still. And uh, he brought me to Bruden Speedway. And I think it was Dave Tritech. I don't want to swear to it, but I'm pretty sure it was Dave Tritech. Um, the feature, there's 35, 40, I think it was 35 cars, 36 cars they started back then. And Dave Tritech started barrel rolling down the front stretch. <laughs> and uh, I looked over to my old man and I said, you know, this is, this is what you're going to put me in. This is what Are you're you sure? <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, uh, you know, sure, it was, it was a sure thing. We yeah. brought a car home. We got it from Darren Forbes. And uh, I didn't know how to drive stick. I knew nothing about race cars. Could barely tell you the difference between a wrench and a socket. And uh, <laughs> that's where I originally really? met Andrew Shartner. And um, we, we had raced, raced dirt for a few years. and, and um, never really had a, a ton of good runs. We had some good runs. We won a couple of features at Evans Mills when it was dirt, which is kind of cool to do the the dirt race and the feet, uh, the asphalt features. But um, so that's kind of cool. We had a couple of good runs at Brewerton. Can Am was always a fun track. We we did a lot of traveling, a lot of fun racing when, when we were younger, and um, that's kind of when it all started. And then uh, as I was getting ready to graduate high school, uh, we were at a Make a Wish Foundation. Um, Luther's Make-A-Wish uh, benefit that he had fundraiser every year and Rob Pollen was taking the year off to focus on his business and my dad's like well let my let my boy hop in your car and uh, the next morning Rob Pollen and I were picking up the limited from uh, Terry Slazo's house and uh, it was just kind of history from there so um, that's interesting yeah, I don't think wrenching. I remembered that you ran the model lights um, and and of course like you said that's where, of course Andrew not only was Andrew, uh, not only could he wheel one of those, but his dad could build them too. I mean, yeah. Carl was, you know, very. Uh, Carl can, Carl can build anything. Um, yeah, he's you know, smart. he built the car that Andrew's driving now in the in the small block slash limited class, sure. um, and um, so that's pretty cool that you uh, you got to do that, and and especially that you got the chance. You know, it's always see that's what I I love about that class though. We don't see as much of that in the supers anymore because they're just too expensive and there's not many owners left. They're all owner drivers or family owned cars for the most sure. part with, a, with obviously a few exceptions. Um, but with the small block, the SBS class, the um, you see more of that sort of, Hey, come and hop in and, and let's go. And I love that because you get a variety of different drivers that, sort of pop in and pop out through the year. And I think that's cool. And especially around classic time it was fun to see some of the drivers come back that had raced them, AJ Burness and, you know, and some of those guys. And, um, you know, anytime you guys go out of town, it seems like we get some different uh, names and faces that jump into the cars. Yeah. The out of town shows definitely bring in the thing with the Swigo is everybody. So, you know, we're so, uh, Swigo so notorious for their points funds for their championship. Well, sure. So if you, you win championships at Oswego, you know, you're accomplishing something. Right. You know, maybe more so than winning a championship at a travel series or something like that. Right. And, you know, so everybody puts their sights on that. And, and, and we all say it. I guess I can't speak for everybody myself every year. I don't care about points. I'm going to go out, run my race, you know, do my thing. And before you know it, you're like, oh, I'm doing decent. Let's go for points. And, yeah. and it's just something that all of us drivers are all. Everybody wants to be a champion of the Swigo Speedway. And, uh, so, so the out of town shows is a good, good opportunity. You know, at Evans Mills this year, we were able to have uh, the Griffin Miller kid. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, car. Mm -hmm. Steve's and, grandson. Uh, he's actually he had somebody that had the um, confidence in him. He purchased one of the old Lacerdo cars, um, the car that Carly Hegarty and and Jim Lacerdo were partners on. Um, 
they purchased that car for for Griffin Miller to run this year. So awesome! Uh, I don't know if I think I'm spilling secrets right now, actually. But we love uh, breaking so. news on this show. We'll take <laughs> yeah, it. So, so I so I hear he's coming on. Uh, Fantastic! It's a modified racing this year, and and he had a great run. I mean, he was in great great equipment. Travis Bartlett really hooked him up with a good car. That was the the Maddie Magner car from last yep. year for uh, Denise Merrill. And uh, that was a phenomenal. That's a great race car. Matt Magner had tons of good luck with it. Um, the few races that he was able to do with it, and uh, so that's exciting to to kind of create the excitement sure. on that. And then uh, there's a couple of, and I can't spill too much on this here because I I sworn to secrecy on it. But there's a couple of uh, youngsters. It's just you and me. Don't gonna, worry. Yeah, so far there's a couple <laughs> of youngsters coming on um, to to kind of take on rookie years this year as we go. So in twenty, um, fantastic. Yeah, yep, this this coming year. Love it. Uh, Two newcomers that are that are stepping up, and uh, possibly a third. And uh, cars are being bought. Uh, the excitement's being created for the limited super modified end of it. Uh, people are are interested. Uh, I, I think you're going to see this class. It, we kind of had you know rough rough numbers at the beginning of the year, and and I think classic showed you know people were able to come around and stuff. But the, the engine change from a driver standpoint and an owner standpoint, there's there's a lot of money that that goes into changing an engine. I don't care. You know who it is or what it sure. is. Sure. Yeah, you got to buy the new one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, and it was an expense for for a lot of people, and and uh, some people can't afford it. I w- I wasn't interested in doing it. I can tell you that it was. I was interested in the idea of the crate, but I wasn't interested in the expense of the crate. Well. And then once you started figuring out all the details that went along with it, it was, uh, you know, kind of turned off some people. But you know, classes came around. We had a decent field, and and. I think we're going to have a, a good handful of cars more for, for next year. So I think you're going to see that class rebound too. Well, uh, I'm glad. Field again. I'm glad. And I was optimistic about that. You know, I because I'm a business guy first, the marketing guy, I tend to look at things, I suppose, differently than most race teams do because as hard as I try to preach that you should operate your race team like a business, a lot of drivers and, and owners operate it like a hobby. And, and so – when it comes to what I call a long play, you know, long-term play um, like this, and that's what I feel like going to the crate was, uh, I think John and Eric understood that there may be some fall-off short-term, but um, long-term, I think it creates a different division that's more attractive to more different kinds of people and racers, and that you know, is easier to, to come into, say, out of a quarter midget or, a, you know, a dirt sportsman or whatever have you, um, you know, if you and, and so I think in that respect, you know what, if you got to if you got to lose some people to gain people going forward, um, the class was definitely not. I mean, last year, the class was not healthy numbers wise. Um, and I think that there was a lot of stuff going on that didn't need to be with regard to, um, you know, things guys were doing to the cars. Um, I think the crate motor changed the dynamic a little bit. And, you know, my, my only, uh, wish from the start or thought from the start on it was that if it's in order for it to work well, you have got to tech it big time because if you let people start cheating up the crates, then you just go right back to what you had um, and so, you know, it's good to see that there's interest in, and I thought that, you know, this year at classic, okay, it wasn't a fantastic field, but it was definitely an encouraging field. Um, more so than that, I thought that over the course of the year, I mean, obviously I don't know what kind of bullet Anthony had in the gun there, but he just hit the setup and for a while was just untouchable. And then slowly you and cliff and, you know, a few of the others, Shartner came on late and, and got up to speed pretty quick, you know, and then of course, <laughs> classic Mike Bond comes back, says, hold my beer and just goes and does what Mike usually does, the classic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think overall the competitiveness of the division was better and the more cars we get, I think that's just going to increase that. So I'm excited to hear you say that there's young blood coming in that's what we need you know we need yeah. young blood in all the divisions honestly yeah there's there's definitely the excitement coming around uh class definitely going to build and head in the right direction the like you said the, the biggest thing with with the crates is the tech part of it 
um, and the Speedway didn't really make it announced, and I kind of wish they had because it, it gives the people the idea. But they actually pulled um, they pulled our the O four um, limited super engine, and they brought it to Pat Morrison's, and they had it dynoed halfway through Good. the year. Um, a few weeks later, they Anthony uh, Lacerdo's motor was pulled right in the tech barn, and they brought that out to Pat Morrison. Steve Joya was, I believe, was the, the head guy that was making the calls yep. on, on pulling the motors. Good and and. Uh, you know, to pull a motor, it, it's work for us teams. You know, of course. It's work for us people and stuff. Um, your motor goes out to, to Pat Morrison's. You pay a dyno fee, you know, if it, if it is legal and, and the numbers and the graph looks good, then you get your money back. If it's not, then, you know, there's, there's consequences for it. So the Speedway did take um, good steps in the right direction to start good. doing it. Um, I feel like they can police it quite a bit harder than, than what they did, you know, from, from a driver-owner standpoint. Um you know, in certain things, and and Mr. Joy has always been him, and I've communicated quite a bit in this off season already, and uh, um, they they have big plans for next year to to continue policing it to to Good. make it fair, and, and uh, the biggest thing that everybody from from driver standpoint is is tech. Everybody wants tech, 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 tech. You know what I mean? Everybody wants a fair playing field, and right. You get people all over that, uh, you know, Anthony Lacerdo, he was fast all year, so he's cheating. You know, it doesn't, Otto Cerilli's fast all year, so he's cheating. That's the, you can hear that stuff all the time. And and uh, whether it's the case or it's not the case, it's it's a total different scenario to have a Cerilli Speedway tech people, in my opinion. You know what I mean? So um, they definitely have big plans to, to do some tech and, and continue the crate motor to uh, uh, keep the, the playing field fair. And that's what we need ultimately for, we didn't it use is. any speed. You know what I mean? We didn't lose speed. We didn't lose racing. You know, nothing really hurt us no. as far as switching over to the crate motor aspect of it. So it's it's definitely headed in the right direction, which is exciting for me because I, I was, I've talked with Camden a hundred times on this and, and I was probably one of the biggest people that thought that the class was going to take crap because of, of the crate motors. Um, originally, I was all for the crate motors. And then when I saw the expenses and everything of it, I said, uh, I'm not too sure about it. And now that <laughs> I'm where I am right now, I think that it's going to be probably the best decision that Speedway's made for, for our right. division in, in quite a few years. And here so. again, sometimes <laughs> you got to, you got to, you know, you got to play the long play. You got to, you got to do what's going to be best for the long-term solvency of the mm-hmm. division. And, and it was, you know, again, I, I was totally in favor of the crate with, the stipulation that they teched the way that they did because otherwise it's, it's easy now to, to, to cheat a motor. I mean, it's, it's not hard, Um, you know, but you got to, the, the consequences as with any other law or rule, the, the, you know, the risk has to make the reward not worth it. So you, you know, you basically have to have the understanding that if you get caught cheating your motor, you know, it's been nice knowing you, you're done forever. You know, I mean, that's kind of the way you got to look at it. You're gone um, yep. at minimum a year. But I, you know, the um, one of one of my original experiences with the crate motor was um, the fast track late models down here in the south. And this was this goes back to probably 06 or 07. And that's what they did. They caught a driver tampering he he basically you know took the seal off and replaced it with a fake seal and did work in the motor and they caught him and they banned him forever he was gone i mean they didn't even right. it wasn't even a discussion you're gone um you know and you do that once or twice and right. everybody starts to think twice because you know they do want to race so sure. you know you just got to be you, you've got to be really strict with them but if if you you know if you keep people honest then I think the crate is a great idea. Um, And again, I think it just was a way to um, make it a little bit easier of an on-ramp for new folks to come in. And if it, you know, if it took some folks out of it, oh, well, I mean, at that point, um, you either want to race or you don't. And if you want to race, then you find a way to race. If you don't, then you know, that's fine too. But I think they're the new, some of the new blood that came either came back or came in for the first time this year, really made that class enjoyable. And um, I'm excited to to hear that there's more cars for next year. And I, you know, I'm hoping that we get uh, at least another five or six uh, or more small uh, 350 supers too. Because you know, again, you get to 15 to 18 a week of those. Um, you know, and and uh, 
that'll also be a nice little class, you know. Okay. So without a doubt, the uh, so on the three fifty end of it, there's we raced all year. I was more or less on and off because of, of like I said, the motor issues. But there was whatever anywhere from three to to five cars, you know, every week. Yeah, and um, I think there's from from what I've heard. The biggest thing with the 350 class is bringing people in from outside. Yep. We we didn't we didn't want we don't want the 350 class to build off of taking just drivers from the limited class or just taking you know the lower teams from the big block right. class. That's that's not that's not doing anybody any good. It's right. Hurting everybody's whole. Exactly. And uh, you know you got the, the norm. Uh, I'm probably going to murder his last name. Mac Mac Lloyd. McLeod. 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 Okay. Yep. So you got him that came in. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. I'm nope, terrible names. But, nope. Um, I used Perry, to say McLeod uh, when I was a little kid. You're fine. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> Kyle Perry, I think he's. I think they're building a car to come in. Um, you know, obviously the, my my teammate Cameron Rowe. Yeah. You know them putting that car yep. together, uh, coming in. There's there's talk of new cars being built. There's uh, Steve Joya and uh, Junior and Senior. I believe they transferred over their old wing car to be a 350. I believe that one's race ready. And possibly either being sold or driven, you know, for this coming year. Cool. Uh, there, there's a lot of excitement um, surrounding both divisions, and I don't know if it's just me this year, but this is this is the most excited I've been for an off season. I'm, I'm not excited for off season. I wish. We I know what you're saying I, for the next year. If yeah. I could, ta- if yeah. I could take my, my my 350 car and go race somewhere this weekend, I'd be there. Sure. But um, you know, this is the most excited I've been for for and you know next season of Oswego Speedway racing. It's it's uh, the 350 class is awesome. Like I said, I can't the the excitement, the different driving. When we first got in that 350 car, I told myself, I said, "You've been around the speedway a thousand times, thousands and thousands of times. That would be no problem." And uh, boy, was I wrong! <laughs> I was <laughs> I was so wrong. It was unbelievable. The cars are just totally different. Super modifieds are different. Uh, I was sitting in the. I think I was on the scales one night, and I looked at my car on a Craig Soper and. And I told him, I said, listen, I said, you know, sitting off to the side of this car, so I'm going to end up hitting the hub rail. Well, sure, it was a sure thing. I ended up <laughs> smacking the hub rail one night, you know, just not used to being in the center of the car compared to the left. And, and I flattened out a rim. and It's actually Barry Kingsley's rim. I have, I don't know if I've passed that information along yet, but <laughs> so we flattened out his rim. And, uh, Hello, Barry. It, it's, there's, there's, there's such cool cars. You, you learn so much. Uh, we originally, once we got the car together, we brought out the Hawksby's. Uh, I do quarter midget racing with Hawksby and his two boys and, sure. and his, uh, their mother every weekend. And uh, he's, you know, the smartest guy that, that has ever played oh, on Super Modifieds, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, he, he looked at this old this old car and, uh, you know, he started pointing out things. You know, he's, he's so meticulous. and He started pointing out things. That change this, change this. Yeah. Step. <laughs> so I just started turning wrenches. It was me and my father out there at a shop. and. <clears throat> Uh, you know, he kind of put a basic setup in it, and and he showed me stuff for the wing. Uh, when I first picked up that 350 car, uh, Craig Soper was on vacation, and I looked at it, and I was looking at it, and looking and looking and looking, and talked to my girlfriend. I said, I don't have a damn clue what I'm doing right now. I, said, I, don't, I don't have a clue. I said, I don't know anything about super modifieds, and and I talked to a few different people, and they're like, it's just a race car with four wheels. <laughs> like. Yeah. It's easy for anybody to say they know super modifieds, and, and I almost called Craig Soper and said, "Hey, you know, I'm not interested anymore. I was getting cold feet." And uh, turns out, once I started tearing into it, it's it's really just only a race car of four wheels. <laughs> I mean, it was it was they're they're the same. You know, race cars are race car once you start. Sure. But it was just so overwhelming at first that uh, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do or how I wanted to go about it or where to even dive into this thing. And the wing wasn't mounted on it at the time, so. I didn't even know how a wing mounted on a super modified. I didn't, know, I didn't know how to fire a super modified, no less. You know what I mean? I knew nothing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for the, for the fact that we were able to get the car together and, and get a motor in it and uh, get an engine in, excuse me, and, and, and have Hawksby set it up and scale it, you know, we went out there and right. we got comfortable run, running laps in practice. And, uh, you know, being able to put the four barrels on a classic was obviously huge to for us to be able to compete oh, for with sure. the rest of the guys. And it kind of caused up a little bit of discussion and some unhappy feelings from out of towners, which you know was understandable. But um, we we were so far outside, um, you know, not running our four, four barrels compared to their their four barrels that it, it was you know it wasn't. That's know, understandable. Mr. Joy, like you said, it was it was his decision on it, and, and he said, you know, these guys here have supported us all year, and, and they can't compete, you know, because 
of a feeling of lack of motor per se. And, and it turns out, you know, the car's handled. My car was, was phenomenal. Uh, when we cranked off that 16, nine lap, it was, well, we turned to 17. and I saw it, I happened to look up and I saw it and I was like, ah, I said, these are my race tires, but I'm going to stay out one more time. See if I can't get into the 16. And, uh, when we cranked off that 16, nine, I was, I wish I had a GoPro inside the, the, the race car with me because I think I was hooting and hollering more than anybody was <laughs> to, to be able to do that. So yeah, it's, it's an old car. It's an old car. Yeah. Um, after I took the hit there, we, we had a minor issue. One of the weeks we took a hit and I bent up the front clip and stuff and, and um, put it back together. We didn't put it back together a hundred percent. I mean, we kind of, I kind of um, half, you know, half it, uh, issued it, I guess, but, uh, so some of the stuff was bent, but for us to be able to turn that, you know, that quick of a time and then have as good of a run at the classic, you know, starting from dead last, we had time trial issues with, with our right. motor and, and, uh, you know, we started last and be able to run up through and I don't even remember where we finished, but we had a top 10 finish, you know, and, uh, there's a lot of good teams that came down here that have been doing this for, for many years you know, oh, yeah. and, and racing 350 cars and for us to be able to do that. I was, I was stoked and, and Craig Silver, I think he was just as happy, uh, you know, that we had as good of a run and, and was able to show speed. I kind of kicked myself in the rear. We didn't get him the feature win that I, I tried for, but you know, it is what it is. So we're, we're excited to, uh, we're going to do that full time. The three fifties definitely on the radar for, for doing full time again next year. Awesome. Um, we're going to switch the, to the six Oh fours, put the great engine in and, uh, you know, put, put some effort into updating some stuff on the car, fixing some stuff that I've done up this year that, that we didn't really have the, the ability to be able to do. And, Strip it right down every winter. We I like to strip my cars down and and kind of start fresh. All new nuts and bolts and and new bars and make some spares and new body and and uh, I'm excited. I, I usually wait till springtime to start working on cars and, and we've already got stuff in the works to to be able to do that. So love it. Well, I know you can't do all of it by yourself. So give some shout outs where they need oh, to be geez. here before we cut you loose. <laughs> yeah. So um, my my brother and my father they're they're uh, one quick, quick thing on that. My brother, I have all intentions of my brother running a limited this year. And, and I'm stoked for that because it's been something that we've talked about for years. That's and years. awesome. Um, and Bravo. we have with me, with me having the ability to run the old four car, um, we have two limiteds, um, sitting in our garage right now. And both of them are race ready minus motors, minus okay. the engines. So, um, our old cliff car that, that we've had so much success in, um, is uh, we just put a new front clip on it, updated a couple of things, and that's uh, my full intentions to be able to get that car ready. So that's going to be that's going to be the fourth new guy, I think, coming out in limited racing nice. this year. That's that awesome. Are, three of them are confidence that are going to be out there on the track. So so that's exciting by itself. But uh, my brother, my father, my mother, uh, my sister, my 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 direct family have just been. Um, from day one of, of Dave Tritek, you know, Dave Tritek giving us the go-kart, you know, all the way through. Um, obviously, my girlfriend, Carly, she, you know, if you can't have your significant other happy with racing, you're not going to be doing it very well. that's long. exactly right. That's the truth. Um, so so she's a huge supporter. Uh, all the guys of the limited super modifieds, um, Rich Worth, Robbie Worth, um, Tim and Jody, uh, if it wasn't for them owning the car and giving me the opportunity to race it, they were flipping the bills. They were fixing the car. They were doing absolutely everything when it first started. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have been able to to, to do it and have the opportunity. Um, Chief, he's he's phenomenal. He's a guy who works on our limited super modified. Um, he went with us to Star. He's done. He's my go-to guy when it comes to the racetrack. The guy's phenomenal with with everything. Very meticulous in what he does. Awesome. And listens to me well. We work great. Um, Dan, Denny, Cameron Rowe, uh, Cameron and I have always had a relationship and, and this year's kind of, it's gone up our, our relationship. We're so, so tight, um, with our, with our brotherhood that we have between him and I, that it, it's, it's great. We talk every day and, and it's just every day is racing. Uh, his mind is, is unbelievable when it comes to racing. So, nice. um, Dan, Denny, obviously he's so skillful in what he does. He knows race cars in general and uh it's been awesome to um out of the the five six seven however many years i've been racing we had our first feature victory win um photo together at evans mills this year so so that was pretty exciting that's but, great craig soper lakeside property service um for giving me the opportunity in the 250 he's given us everything that we need to be able to run there and be competitive and uh he's exciting him, him and i've always um, known each other for years i went to school with his niece i believe and 
we've known each other for years and, and for him to be able to give me an opportunity to drive his race car, uh, is, is pretty, pretty cool thing. So, uh, my biggest sponsor is what, you know, Woodchuck Saloon. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, afford to race. And, um, it's definitely helpful when you get good sponsors behind you. Uh, front door tavern, Paul stepping in, he's helped us out a lot this year. There's five other sponsors I could sit here and, and <laughs> ponder them, but, uh, it's just it's a, the group of people that I'm involved with this year. I think is what my biggest thing is uh, coming back to racing. Like I said at the beginning of the year, I was getting ready to take it off, and uh, I was going to kind of focus on my business and and regroup and and everything of the sort. And if it wasn't for the people that that I'm actually involved with and, and racing with this year, I, it wouldn't have uh, appealed to me as much. Um, it's such a good group of people that I'm that I'm working with. I I definitely, uh, I always speak on people being spoiled and I, and I feel like I'm spoiled, but I feel like I've earned my spoiledness, <laughs> but, uh, I'm definitely spoiled this year to have the luxury of the people around me for sure. Well, and you know what? I'm just going to add that, uh, I think that you have matured a ton, um, in, in recent times and, and it's, it's great to be able to have a discussion with you like this. We've gone 52 minutes and some change here. We're going to be close to an hour before we're done, which is awesome. And, you know, to be able to have that conversation and, and, you know, I, I just, it's good to see you kind of at peace. It seems like with everything and excited going into the next season and um, never a question of your talent behind the wheel. And I couldn't be happier to hear that uh, Rob is going to get a chance to, to drive next year because he works his tail off and he deserves that opportunity if he wants it. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun to see uh, the Bruce brothers on the track together in 2020. That'll be great. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. I've been wanting to do that for a few years now and stuff just never really kind of lined up to be able to do it. And um, you know, there's no better opportunity than right now. So uh, it's going to, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a little chaotic of a summer. But, uh, well, that's but, uh, what it's all about, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be it has, too easy. It has not been chaotic for the last five years. Yeah. Well, so might as well, uh, might as well add to it. Well, Mike, <laughs> we certainly appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and, uh, you know, look forward to what's to come for you in 2020. We hope that you have uh, a great off season, happy holidays, all of that, uh, and the family and the team as well. And and look forward to uh, talking with you more as we get ready to to get into next year. Yes, sir. I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to speak on here. And um, you know, we're just uh, I'm just super excited for next year. It's just it's a big thing uh, coming around, and and uh, I love building excitement and having having the ability and to be able to talk to you and, and everything that you do for our, for our racing program and, and create the excitement. I mean, stuff like this here is what everybody uh, listens to and, and talks about and creates the buzz. And uh, that's what every facility needs when it comes to racing, in my opinion, is, is uh, the buzz to be created. So we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Well, we, uh, we're happy to do it and excited to do it. Help us spread the word and get more people listening to it. Not because I need uh, a bigger ego, but because the more listeners, the more opportunity that you guys obviously have to talk to potential sponsors because you never know what new listener might be a potential sponsor. So, uh, that's, that's what the whole goal of this is. And obviously to preserve the history, uh, because we have no ego program anymore. And, uh, you know, we really like talking to the legends, uh, the drivers that help build the speedway and make it what it is because, you know, we want to give them a chance to tell their story while they can. So, um, We're excited about the off-season ourselves to be able to do more of that. Uh, So, again, we appreciate it, Mike, and uh, have a great off-season. Sure. You as well. And we'll say that uh, this interview, should have said this in the beginning, being presented by Skip's Fish Fry. You know Sean Cathcart and his staff. If you don't, you should. Uh, If you're in Oswego any time of the year, they're right downtown. Just go see them. Get yourself a fish or a hot dog or whatever else is on the menu. It's all great. The portions are fantastic. Um, looking forward to getting up there for the holidays and eating plenty of fish because I have yeah, to say, food. yeah, the fish down here in the south is, is kind of weak. Um, so not up the par. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, not no, not at all. So uh, there's no fish like northern northeast New York and New England fish. So uh, sure. definitely thank uh, Sean and his staff for bringing us that 
this interview and being a part of uh, the show as they have for the entire year that we've been doing it almost. Glad that uh, I had a chance to get this interview into the show this week. I really had a great time with Mike and really appreciate him taking the time on short notice to um, make this happen and uh, hope you enjoyed it. With that, uh, the show at um, Evans Mills was very, very good and feedback was overwhelmingly positive that you may see more for next year, which is great. And also want to mention in case you haven't heard it yet, that Tyler Thompson, Boy Wonder, is at it again. This time, he's jumping into a modified, an SK modified at Thompson driving for for uh, Keith Rocco. Uh, and, of course, he'll be racing the ISMA show as well as part of the Thompson World Series this coming, well, it's next weekend as the show airs, actually. Um, and that's pretty exciting. I think it's great for Tyler. Love seeing that he got the Chili Bowl opportunity as well. Uh, that young man is just on a roll right now, and that's good for everybody at the Oswego Speedway. It's always interesting that some fans sometimes start to um, react negatively to someone who's young and has so much success so quick, but um, the fact is that Tyler is really calling a lot of attention to the Oswego Speedway right now, uh, with the other exploits and the other things that he's doing. And so, you know, never hurts to have new eyes on the track and new people discovering super modified racing or maybe rediscovering it. And so real excited for Tyler. Hope that uh, he and all of the competitors running at Thompson are safe. And uh, again, just really, um, really pumped to see him getting the opportunities he's getting so much talent and a very humble young man. It's a great combination and a combination that can get you a lot of places if you can just uh, meet the right people. And that's really what it's all about in, in this day and age, not just about money itself, but who do you know and who knows you? And Tyler certainly has, uh, has gotten a lot of new eyes on him over the last uh, couple of months. And I think that's well-deserved. So with all of that, uh, appreciate all of you tuning in for this episode, and we'll, uh, we'll get Cam back in place for next week and have some conversation with him. And uh, we, we have tried, um, again, with all of the technical issues and uh, scheduling and such, uh, been trying to get Randy Ritzkis. We're going to try to get him for next week. So there's your, uh, there's your little bit of breaking news that we hope to make happen. Uh, we've got, hopefully, Steve Miller coming up on a uh, very near future episode as well, and uh, Jamie Moore, hopefully, on the list as well. So there's just a few of the guys that uh, we're looking forward to talking to in the next uh, several weeks here as we continue with um, Inside Groove. And, of course, we'll try to have uh, as much of the Thompson breakdown as we can possibly get and um, try to get the winner on if we can make that happen as well. So uh, we hope all of you have a very safe and a very blessed weekend until next week when we continue with Inside Groove. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.